Our image for this series is a picture of Daniel in the lion's den from Henry Oswa Tanner, an illustration of people trying to take control and who's actually in control. Several of the artists of the Harlem Renaissance followed Henry Tanner's example by traveling to France to further their studies. At least two of them, Hell Woodruff and William H. Johnson, made a point of seeking out Tanner, who graciously opened his studio to them and offered encouragement and advice. Tanner remained essentially a 19th century artist to the end of his life, content to let succeeding generations work out the aesthetic implications of this new art directed toward African-American concerns. He could pass his final years secure in the knowledge that he had blazed a trail that others would extend far beyond the point where he had laid down his palette and brushes. Today, we are going to look at two stories where Daniel takes control by not controlling others. He can do that because he knows God is in control. Daniel is giving counsel to two kings, Nebuchadnezzar and later Belshazzar. Even though there are years between the two incidents and the details are different, God's control and Daniel's self-control are the same. Because we are examining two stories over two chapters, I'm not going to read every verse of Daniel's chapter 4 and 5, but I encourage everyone to go back later and read the complete text. Let's first look at how Daniel waited to be asked. Daniel 4, 4 through 9. King Nebuchadnezzar writes, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I had a dream, and it frightened me. While in my bed, the images and visions in my mind alarmed me. So I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon to me in order that they might make the dream's interpretation known to me. When the magicians, mediums, Chaldeans, and diviners came in, I told them the dream, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. Finally, Daniel, named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and a, <clears throat> and a spirit of the holy gods is in him, came before me. I told him the dream. Belteshazzar, head of the magicians, because I know that you have the spirit of the holy gods and that no mystery puzzles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I saw and its interpretation. The parallel passage about King Belshazzar is in Daniel 5, starting in verse 1. King Belshazzar held a, held a great feast for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine in their presence. Under the influence of the wine, Belshazzar gave orders to bring in the gold and silver vessels that his predecessor Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, wives, and concubines could drink from them. Verse 4. They drank the wine and praised their gods made of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. At that moment, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the king's palace wall next to the lampstand. As the king watched the hand that cut, excuse me, as the king watched the hand that was writing, his face turned pale and his thoughts so terrified him that he soiled himself and his knees knocked together. Verse 13. Then Daniel was brought before the king. The king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the Judean exiles that my predecessor, the king, brought from Judah? Verse 15. Now the wise men and mediums were brought before me to read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me, but they cannot give its interpretation. However, I have heard about you that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Nebuchadnezzar. 
He's at ease in his palace, and Belshazzar is having a feast. Both are comfortable and filled with pride. Daniel is a high official in both governments, but he doesn't approach either king saying, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Daniel is probably busy doing his work for Nebuchadnezzar, and under Belshazzar, Daniel seems to have been put out to pasture in semi-retirement. Both kings receive a message from God. Nebuchadnezzar in a dream and Belshazzar through spiritual handwriting on a wall. Nebuchadnezzar dreams of a great tree, tall and broad, that is cut down to the stump. The tree is destroyed and the stump with its roots are bound with metal. Belshazzar sees a spectral hand appear in the air. We can assume his walls are made of stone or wood, Uh, but there's plaster over it, and the text says only a hand appears, not a hand with any type of writing utensil. So it seems to me that this spiritual hand may be carving or burning or otherwise supernaturally writing letters into the wall. Both messages are disturbing. Nebuchadnezzar's dream frightens and alarms him. Belshazzar's dream terrifies him, and that fear, combined with the fact that he had spent the night drinking, causes him to lose control of his bodily functions and is left physically shaking. Both kings contact their wise men, but their usual suspects can't figure out what the meaning is. It is then that both kings send for Daniel to interpret the message from God, and Daniel comes. Daniel knew from experience in his own nation that God judges kings. He knew the personalities and actions of both of these kings. At least with Nebuchadnezzar, he could have talked with the king whenever he wanted. Daniel didn't attend Belshazzar's party. He didn't butt into their relationships with God, but he came when asked. Life, perhaps unfortunately, is like the classic movie Jaws. Nobody wants to listen to the warning or help Chief Brody until they know for themselves from personal experience that there is a shark in the water eating people. Now, you don't ask a drowning person if they want to be saved. But I also don't keep people from swimming unless they ask me and I actually know the condition of the water. We sometimes perform baptisms at Tanner's Lake. Before we do it, I want to know what the weather conditions are like and what the city says the condition of the water is. I ask by research and personal observation. I also don't go around to other churches telling them whether they should baptize at Tanner's Lake or not. If they ask me, of course I tell them what I know, but if they don't ask me, why would they care about my opinion? We have to remember that Daniel is dealing with adults, not children. I don't wait for my daughters to ask me if they should put their hands on the hot stove, but it is reasonable to wait for an adult to ask for help when they need it. Unfortunately, we don't all do this. So in order to take control, I should certainly be like Daniel, waiting to be invited before I bring in my opinion into someone else's life. But a lesson that is just as important is I need to be as smart as a king, knowing when I need help to figure something out, especially instruction from God, and to be humble and wise enough to ask. We all want to be Daniel, the wise counselor, and may get that opportunity in the life of someone else. But at times, we also need to realize that we are the king or queen who can't control everything in our own lives and need help. 
when Daniel does get the opportunity to speak into the lives of the kings, Daniel didn't withhold truth. First with King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 4, starting in verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, was stunned for a moment, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Then to verse 24. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree of the Most High that has been issued against my lord the king. You will be driven away from people to live with the wild animals. You will feed on grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew from the sky for seven periods of time until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms and he gives them to anyone he wants. As for the command to leave the tree stump with its roots, your kingdom will be restored to you as soon as you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, my advice seems, uh, if it seems good to you, my king, separate yourself from your sins by doing what is right and from your injustices by showing mercy to the needy. Perhaps there will be an extension of your prosperity. Now Daniel and King Belshazzar. Daniel begins by reminding Belshazzar that Nebuchadnezzar has already gone through this and Belshazzar could have learned, excuse me, Belshazzar could have learned from his ancestors' experience with God. Daniel 5, starting in verse 22. But you, his successor, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. Indeed, you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heavens. Then verses 24 through 28. Therefore he sent the hand, and this writing was inscribed. This is the writing that was inscribed, Mini, Mini, Tekel, and Parson. This is the interpretation of the message. Mini means that God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel means that you have been weighed on the balance and found deficient. Perez means that your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. In both cases, Daniel has bad news for these kings. One will lose his mind and another his life. And that's not what you want to tell the king. A message like that is a quick way to die. Daniel tells King Nebuchadnezzar that he is the great tree, but that the God of heaven has ordained that because of the king's pride, he will be cut down. Instead of living like a king, Nebuchadnezzar will live like a, an animal outside eating grass. However, as soon as Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges the authority of God, he will be restored. Daniel also gives Nebuchadnezzar a chance to possibly change things by changing his behavior. Stop injustice and show mercy to the needy. Belshazzar's counsel is less hopeful. God is ending Belshazzar's kingdom. Belshazzar's personal life has been judged deficient in the eyes of God's, uh, in the eyes of God. And the Medes and Persians are about to take over Babylon. When someone does ask for counsel, it is certainly wise to have tact. Does this make me look fat? That's a dangerous question. As dangerous as the kings were asking Daniel. And we also need to be careful how we answer that question. The incorrect answer is, no, your fat makes you look fat. However, it's equally dangerous to withhold the truth. You don't want someone to come back to you later saying, I can't believe you let me go out like that. Sometimes people do ask questions because they are hoping to draw out affirmation for the choices they already made. 
But it is possible to affirm people and also not lie to them, even by omission. Jesus never withheld the truth from anyone, but he also knew how to speak appropriately to each individual. The Pharisees, the woman caught in adultery, and the paralyzed man who was lowered through the roof. Jesus called them all sinners. To the Pharisees, he said, you hypocrites. To the woman, he said, go and sin no more. To the paralyzed man, he said, your sins are forgiven. When someone asks me about God or spiritual things in general or life or death, I'm called to speak the truth in love. That's in Ephesians 4.15. And it's by speaking the truth in love that both the speaker and the listener grow more like Christ. God knows all and will reveal all. Jesus says in Luke uh, 12.3, Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in an ear in private rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Speaking the truth in a way of, is a way of taking control and acknowledging the control of God. It's lies and hidden things that spin a life out of control. Daniel waited to be asked. Daniel didn't withhold the truth. And lastly, Daniel watched for the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar's story ends in Daniel 4, starting in verse 28. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, as he was sitting on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon, the king exclaimed, Is this not Babylon the great that I have built to be a royal residence by my vast power and for my majestic glory? While the words were still in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared that the kingdom has departed from you. You will be driven away from people to live with the wild animals, and you will feed on grass like cattle for seven periods of time until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms, and he gives them to anyone he wants. At that moment, the message against Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people. He ate grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew from the sky until his hair grew like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. But at the end of those days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned to me. Then I praised the Most High and honored and glorified him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And now verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the king of the heavens because all of his works are true and his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. Belshazzar's end is much quicker. Daniel 5, 30 and 31. That very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom at the age of 62. On a day when Nebuchadnezzar's pride is at its height, God strikes his mind, and he becomes like an animal. When he acknowledges God as king, he is restored. Uh, he's restored to his sanity and to his rule. The text says that his advisors and nobles, of which Daniel would have been the chief, sought and held the king, uh, well, they held the kingdom for him and sought Nebuchadnezzar out to restore him. Daniel waited for the Lord to do his work. Now, we have possible confirmation from history on this Nebuchadnezzar story, and it may directly affect, affect Belshazzar. We need to remember that ancient writers, even biblical writers, don't hold to the same journalistic standards as modern historians. 
Also in a royal line, a king might be referenced by the first or greatest in his royal line. Belshazzar, our second king, co-ruled with his father Nabodonus. And Daniel told Belshazzar that he should have learned humility from his ancestor. The reason Belshazzar co-ruled with his father is Nabodonus separated himself from Babylon for 10 years, suffered a major illness, and was bothered by dreams on a regular basis. I'm not saying it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar who was humbled by God, but the lesson of humbling oneself before God could have been closer to Belshazzar than his great-great-grandfather. It could have been his dad. There's a document from the Dead Sea Scrolls called the Prayer of Nabodonus, which describes the king's illness for seven years, restoration to health, mediation of a Jewish exile, honor offered to the Most High God, and is also narrated in the first person. The night of Belshazzar's feast, Darius the Mede invades the Babylonian kingdom, and Belshazzar is killed. Now at the church, we have a bird that's trying to peck holes in our roof and put a nest in our attic. I'm in the process of preventing that bird from pecking holes in our roof. And, um, but when I hear the bird from my office and go outside, the bird has learned to fly away, but has not learned to stop pecking at our roof. I will probably not be successful in stopping the bird until I stop chasing the bird and make time to sit outside and wait for the bird. Evangelist G. Campbell Morgan said, Waiting for God is not laziness. Waiting for God is not going to sleep, and it's not abandoning effort. Waiting for God means first, activity under God's command, second, readiness for any new command that may come, and third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. If I believe God is in control, sometimes the most difficult thing to do is wait and see what God does in my life or in the life of someone I care about. God gives me opportunities to change. God gives me times of discipline. Sometimes God takes control by saying, this is the end, no more. God has control, but he doesn't force his control on anyone as he calls people to himself. I can't control others, and God chooses not to. But that doesn't stop him from continually sending his messages and messengers to bring people to righteousness. God's in control. And having control means not controlling others. I'm sure it wasn't easy for Daniel to see kings fall. He could have fallen with them. It's not easy for a parent to see an adult child make poor decisions or a friend see another friend spiraling in the wrong direction. But I'm responsible for my actions, including speaking the truth in love when asked. And in all times, I wait for the Lord, knowing my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the protector of Israel who does not slumber or sleep, he will protect my life. Let's pray from Psalm 96, a psalm that's very similar to the praise Nebuchadnezzar gives to the Lord. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Proclaim his salvation and declare his glory among the nations. For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Bring an offering when we enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before him. As you reflect on this message, think of one thing that resonated with you, one thing that challenged you, 
one thing you want to learn more about and one thing you will do based on what you have heard. I leave you today with this blessing. May the mighty one who has done great things and whose mercy goes on from generation to generation, when life's perils confound you, may his counsel guide you and beneath his wings protect you. And may God be with you until we meet again.